0: side are you praying on? I'm praying prayin on, on the Lord's, Lord's side. Tell so, I me, mean, whose side are you praying on? Well, I'm praying prayin love, 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 The gospel love, love. All right. I hope that gives you great expectations of what God is going to do. Please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. Because whether you forgot it or not, great is what we're supposed to do. Really? Yes. If you sat with Jesus, he would say, man, I hope for greater things for you. Jesus actually had vision. You go, well, I don't know. I thought Jesus was the guy who just said, let's be humble, let's be meek. But Jesus said the meek will actually inherit the earth. Once again, great things in store. When you follow Jesus, Jesus has great vision for your life. That's something to let sink in. When we come together as a church, we should expect greatness. When we hang out together, we should expect greatness. When we're working with each other one-on-one, when we're talking to each other, we go, man, I want great things for you. Can you say that to each other right now? Look to each other and say, I want great things for you. I hope you you feel it. Now, you're going to have to say something else at the end, if I remember. But it's very, very important. It's very important for us to understand greatness is part of God's plan. It really is. And today, we're going to look at a little bit of a twist on greatness. We're covering the book of Matthew whenever I'm speaking, and we're going to talk about greatness. Let's go to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. We're going to see something here as we're turning to Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Haven't you ever just wanted it easier? How many of you want life easier? Really? Come on. Yeah, we do. I know I do. Have you ever just wanted to come to church and be taught something that would make your life easier? Maybe make you feel better? Make you feel a little warm and fuzzy? Make you feel like, ah... I don't have to do that much because Jesus will take the wheel. He'll fix it. And all I have to do is watch. Pray and watch. I'm sorry today is not that day. Not for me and not for you. In Matthew chapter 19, we're going to talk about a little difference in greatness. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I've kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? See, it says here the disciples were greatly astonished. They were very, very surprised. And today we're going to talk about great Surprises. Because really, the road to greatness is, has, is a winding one. There are great surprises. Greatness never happened with a predictable life. What you think how it should be may not be what God thinks it should be. I think sometimes we've got to understand this because we can believe life should be a certain way. We can think it should go according to a certain plan. And so we must be willing to live contrary to what I call a great lie. So the first point here is we need to start realizing we have to overcome a great lie. You see, these disciples thought a certain way. You go, well, how did they think? You see, in Jewish culture at that time, what they believed was that God blesses the righteous. You know, in the Bible, you'll see a lot of passages about how God blesses the righteous. God also says sometimes the unrighteous get blessed too. Sometimes God says in the Old Testament, hey, I'll use the unrighteous to humble the righteous. But somehow, someway, the Jews had gotten this notion that God blesses the righteous. So at the time when this was written, if you were wealthy, it meant you were what? What? righteous. And so this kind of rocked their world. This was a surprise to them. And Jesus flipped the script. He actually said, guess what? Wealth can be a barrier to getting into heaven. I mean, that flips the script. There are a lot of churches out there saying, hey, you know what? Just claim it. You just have the right belief and faith. Faith, you will be wealthy, and if you touch the TV and send me $50, you too can be wealthy. Right? You know what I'm saying? And there's some great surprises out there. There could be a lie that we believe spiritually. What are some lies out there? Salvation is easy. Salvation is easy. Just say a prayer. Just accept Jesus that, hey, you know what? Guess what? If I'm really right with God, everything should be easy. Have you ever decided to devote yourself to God and think, okay, now all the doorways are supposed to open? Have you ever gotten discouraged because you say, God, I decided I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to pray. I'm going to renew my faith. I'm going to really go, God, just please. It's all up to you. And then, boom, you get stuck with a tax bill you didn't expect. Boom, your tire is flat. Boom, something hits your windshield. Boom, your spouse is in a bad mood. Boom, your child comes with a bad grade, right? You go, well, God, I, I committed, I devoted myself to you. You're supposed to make it easier. Salvation is not easy. And sacrifice leads to salvation. This is what Jesus actually told the young man. Let's go to Luke 14, verse 33. It's a simple passage, and we know it, but we just got to understand there's great lies that kind of make us surprised when God throws things our way. Luke 14. We'll look in verse 33. And I want you to understand, sometimes um, I, in my heart, want to make things easier for people. Don't you want to do that for your kids? I know when I grew up, See, I was like the only Asian in my community. So when I grew up, I remembered getting teased walking home from school. I remember people trying to pick on me, all those things. Have you ever been the only one of something in your school? And so when I think of my kids, I go, gosh, I don't want them to go through that. You know, and so where we live is a community where everyone else is Asian. (laughs) So anyways, (laughs) but I'm thinking, how do I make it easier? how to make it nicer for people Luke chapter 14 verse 33 It says in the same way And those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Sometimes Jesus says, "Hey, you know, it's not easy. There's sacrifice involved with salvation." Sacrifice Even as I structure the church, even as we look at how we're doing leadership and everything here, what what we're trying to do, you go, well, are you trying to make it easier for us? You know, in some ways, we can do things that make life unnecessarily hard. So we really, it, it is good to figure out what's the best way to do something, right? But God does say, no matter what, in order for something to work, in order for our church to come together and be great, we have to go, there's sacrifice involved, in order for our walk with God to be what God intended, there's a sense of sacrifice that needs to come into play. What that sacrifice is could be different for different people. But it is required. And we don't want to be surprised because we believed in a lie. Let's go to Matthew chapter 19. Sacrifice is required for salvation. And we've got to ask ourselves, how willing am I to just give up everything? Give up everything. Next, so, you know, what, the, what they believed or what this rich young man believed, wealth is the way. Somehow, being spiritual should benefit us financially. And, and Jesus just said, you know, the world will tell you that. Many of us feel insecure because we don't have enough. That's one of the things that men struggle with a lot. Now, women might struggle with it too. I don't want to be all sexist. But for men, if you're my age or my generation, you're raised to think you're going to be the breadwinner. You need to have all these things. You need to be do, do this for somebody. Otherwise, you don't have the value. You're not a real man. And so the the idea of success has to do with just how much have you gotten? How much stuff do you have? How much can you provide? And we think, well, wealth is the way. Wealth proves something. And so sometimes wealth can be a barrier. Wealth can be a barrier. That's what it was for this rich man. It says he walked away simply, it says, because he had great wealth. And he could not do what he needed to do to be right with God. Sometimes we have that barrier. Wealth can be a barrier for us. You know, sometimes being poor can be a barrier too. See, when you're wealthy, you get comfortable. When you're wealthy, you can get comfortable with a lot of different things. Now, here's the thing. I drive around an almost 30-year-old Toyota. I also drive around an almost 12-year-old Hyundai. Those are my two cars, Okay? And I don't keep them up very well. They're both paid for, so I'll drive them until they die. You yeah, know, that's the way to do it. Why get it, you know? But you know what? People are rude to me on the road. What? Yeah, and and you, know, you know, have you have that insecurity inside of you? Why are they rude to me? Number one, is it because I'm an Asian driver? We all have that. Come on. You you know. Do you, you ever have that? Come on, you know you've seen an Asian cut you off, and you go, "Oh, Asian driver!" It thought you thought that sometimes. I know some of you, right? You, you, driving too slow, driving. Oh, Asian driver! I understand, but you know when you're a victim of a stereotype, you always go, "I wonder if." Yeah. If you're a woman, I wonder if it's if I'm a woman. As in, if I'm an Asian man driving and people are rude, I go, I wonder if it's, um, if I'm an Asian driver. Why, why are they also rude? I go, I wonder if it's because I drive a ratty car. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I go, I'm going to pick up my son in my ratty car with all the paint peeling off. And I go, I wonder if people are going to make fun of my son. I think that, right? Because, you know, we struggle with that. How are people going to look at me because of my wealth? Wealth can be a barrier. We start shooting for it. When you're poor, it could be a barrier because you envy, you fear. And that could be a barrier. And it just keeps you from giving everything to God. And we've got to stop believing lies. And, and it, that's a surprise. God will surprise you sometimes to realign your thinking. Because you could rely on your great wealth And then end up greatly surprised. And that's what happened here. The young man was surprised. Not just him, but all the disciples were. Because they had to wrestle with something here. So we've got to overcome the great light. What else is there? Let's go to Matthew 19, verse 26. You see, in verse 25, the disciples heard this, right? It says, they were greatly astonished. And asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He did not say rich people would not go to heaven. He just says, guess what? It takes faith. It takes a certain kind of faith. Because faith is misunderstood on this planet. He says the certain type of faith it's going to take. Point two. Number one, we've got to overcome the great lies in this world. Amen. Number two, we've got surprising sacrifice is required for great faith. You see, Jesus just called him to do what was impossible for him. Did you know that God is calling you to do something impossible? God is asking you to think about the impossible. God is calling us to yearn for the impossible, to believe in the impossible, to be able to push ourselves to the point where we got to go. It only takes God to get through. How willing are you to live at your faith point? When and where in your life does it feel impossible? And God's saying, now you've got to rely on faith. I'm pushing you to your faith point. See, in other, in other uh, passages, in other ways, in, in, in Mark chapter 10, let's turn there. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We see something here. We see the rich man's response. It's a little different in Mark chapter 10, verse 20. In Mark chapter 10, verse 20, the man says, Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Did you know sometimes our sacrifice can become routine? Our spirituality can just kind of be a part of life. What I found is that when I initially became a disciple, some basic things seemed really hard, like going to church every Sunday. Whoo! Remember that? When you study the Bible, you go, oh, you gotta go to church every Sunday. You go, what, what now? <laughs> you gotta go to midweek. You go, what? Okay. We, one time a week. That's hard. Twice? Three? Four? I was <laughs> like, do dude, dude. Right? Then they start talking about financial sacrifice. You go, what, what, what? But then it becomes what? Part of your life. Remember reading the Bible and praying? Have you ever studied the Bible with someone? Has anyone ever called you to really following the Bible? And they go, hey, you got to read your Bible and pray every day. What? I'm busy. I have so many things to do. I don't have time to read my Bible and pray every day. It seemed like Mount Everest just to do that. And then what does it become? Your life. And sometimes the little sacrifices to be spiritual become routine. This person was doing it at, since he was a boy. And Jesus says, guess what? Living at your faith point is never comfortable. And now I'm calling you to make a surprising sacrifice. God's calling you some way, somehow, right now to live at your faith point. Every day you should be considering, what's my faith point? Are you tired with your kids? Kids can make you tired and distracted, worried, and a bit dizzy. Sad sometimes. I've told you this before. If you're raising kids and all you do is sitting there with those kids, they can be kind of boring. They don't talk about things that you're interested in. Unless you really like Pokemon or My Little Pony. And then when they get their teen years, it doesn't get that much Interesting. If you want to hear about what everyone else is doing in the high school. And so you just go, you're caught in this world. You go, oh, it's a routine. I'm so exhausted. God says, Guess what? Help a life. Think beyond the four walls of your home. Care about your community. When we're at our job, sometimes our jobs can be so overwhelming because there's so much to do. And God says, Guess what? Live at your faith point. Don't just get the job done. Be a great example. Don't just get the job done. Share your faith. Sometimes we can be so hurt that the best thing to do is to live defensively. And God says, guess what? Love your enemies. You got to go to your faith point. These are intense things. Sometimes we feel so burned and bored at church. And remember, Robin and I, you know, we keep our promises. So we will get to singles ministry. So I'm going to talk about singles ministry today a little bit. Okay, when we're single adults, we can kind of get into this routine. We can get tired of each other. And remember, if you want to get married and you're a single adult, we want you to get married too. And we're going to be committed to that. Okay, we'll talk about that at the end. But we lose faith because the people we see, we've known for a long time. And we know we're not marrying each other. And so you go, gosh, how can I escape these people? And God's saying, you know what? you got to push yourself to the faith point. you got to say, together, we are going to find our dreams. Interesting. Let's go to Mark chapter 10, verse 21. He says, all of these things I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and what? Loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. You see, he says, let me love you and tell you that you need to sacrifice. Do you realize that sacrifice is a great opportunity? That right now, when Jesus is saying, I want you to push to your faith point, I want you to live to a point where you have to call upon me, get close to me, have to just wrestle with everything in your faith. Did you know when you get pushed to that point, you go, is this for me? Have you ever done that? when You got pushed to that point. Do I really want to do this? Keep doing this? Keep going at this? Do I, is this for me? That's, what, that's this, how this last year has been for me and Robin. We're coming up to a year. We're, we're actually past a year now. But at this time, last year, I hadn't even begun the journey to the faith point. I hadn't even begun. This po- time last year, I was just con- you know I had just gotten open about some things going on in this region, and, n- and the consequences were just creeping in. And boom, in the last year, some of the most horrible things that I've ever encountered in my faith have happened. The worst. I've been attacked. Even just within the last week, I've had people pointing their finger at me, yelling at me, doing all sorts of things. And that's been going on for a while now. Yeah, not you guys. Don't worry. Who's there? Who's, there? Who's that? No. No. East Cities has been a joy. Give yourselves a hand because you have been a joy. Rob and I run to this fellowship. Just so you know. Just so you know. Okay. But. So you know what it takes? It's taking us to our faith point. Why am I doing this? Is this what we're supposed to do? Why are we here? That's your faith point. Don't worry if you're hitting it. It's God getting you to dig deep. Doubt is an opportunity for you to get greater faith. Doubt, hurt is a great opportunity for you to have greater love. And these are some things we've got to wrestle with and know in our hearts. Are you with me on that? See, Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, you've got to give more. That's rough. No one, uh, no one right now in our fellowship wants to do that with each other. That's not what I'm going to make you look at each other. Okay, everyone, look at each other and say, you've got to give more. We won't do that. But literally, we don't think that's a message of love, do we? But Jesus says, one thing you lack. And he said, sacrifice. I'm going to give you an opportunity to sacrifice. We haven't really pushed for our special this year at all, ever. And so I know the... Um, our administrators we have the new role our administrators they have said hey we have these uh, pledge cards please think about what you've given what you can give and if you've given already we thank you but if you feel like you can give or you haven't yet we really ask you to give now so we can help people like in the philippines and and whatnot okay so for this ministry we're trying to collect that in november but remember this is an opportunity because whenever someone asks you to sacrifice you ask a lot of questions don't you and we need you to sacrifice. You go, well, why? Where's it going? Who's it going to? Is it effective, right? If you never get called to sacrifice, you never ask a question. Interesting, isn't it? When it comes to money, time, or heart. Let's go on. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1st Peter chapter 1 verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other. If we go back and and you hear what Jesus told the young man, when he's saying, "Hey, these are the commands." He listed a number of them. They're about being pure and righteous, and then he also said, "Love your neighbor as yourself." And that's kind of the basic Purify yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other. That's basic. You go, wow, that's a pretty decent Christian life, isn't it? But then 1 Peter says something else here. Now that you have done that, that's just the beginning part. Love one another deeply from the heart. And that's, that's that journey. That's that faith point. You know what? You can get to a routine. You have sincere love. And I believe we have sincere love for each other here. You you could have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. And God says, now take it deep, where it sticks deep in your heart. And when he looked at that young man, he says, I have an opportunity for you. I'm going to love you and call you to sacrifice from your very soul. That's deep love. When you get married, you face that deep love. Because the person who you've loved more than anyone on this planet has now hurt you more than anyone else on this planet. And God says, dig deep. When you have kids and they go from cuddly to defiant, that shakes you to your very core. And God says, dig deep. This church that you've chosen to give your heart and your life to, the very people in this room... Might have gossiped about you or hurt you or done something, and God says, Dig deep. Because you've been pure, you've obeyed the truth, and you have sincere love. Now it's time to get deep. This is an opportunity, it's not a burden. And when Jesus looked at that young man, he loved him, and he said, This is what I have for you. Let's go back to Matthew 19. This is greatness, great surprise. You can get into a routine. You can, you can believe a lie, and God says, guess what? I have a surprise for you. It's time to live at your faith point, and that faith point is going to become a surprise. We can't plan for it. That moment where God's calling you to dig deep, you can't plot it and schedule it on your calendar. It's not like we're saying, okay, next week, let's have our faith point moment. If it did, it wouldn't be the faith point, would it? Let's be like people who get beyond our routine and want to sacrifice. Let's go to verse 27. Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. Actually, it has an exclamation mark. We have left everything to follow you. Can you feel the panic? What then will there be for us? The disciples' faith was challenged by this call. That's what that faith point feels like. It fills you with panic. Like, oh my gosh. What's going to happen next? You know, we've got to look at what Peter's view of it. See, all the disciples were greatly astonished. Poor Peter was panicked. Okay, everyone was, oh, this is surprising. This is shocking. Man, I have to recalibrate my faith, my walk. I've got to dig deeper. But Peter was freaked out out you know why is this just think before that peter was appointed hey you know what i'm gonna build my rock on this church and peter you're the rock and blah 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 you're awesome you're gonna be the leader and in his mind okay this is a fisherman i think he had that grand view the cinderella story in his mind that gosh here i am this fisherman and i'm gonna be the right hand in the kingdom and all the rich people are gonna be bowing down to me have you ever had that fantasy I'm recording this, and one day, I hope this person never hears it, but there was my, uh, I got to give him a last name that's different. There's was my uh, friend I grew up with. His name was Jimmy something or other. <laughs> and when we were in middle school, okay, we were the nerdy brainy kids, okay, nerdy brainy kids. And I'd walk home with Jimmy every day after school, and he'd always be grumbling about the popular kids. He says, oh, those popular kids, blah, 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 one day, you know, blah, blah, they'll be working for us. One day, those popular kids will be working for us. And, you know, as I'm walking, you know, I'm this clue saying, like, well, who are these popular kids he's talking about, first off? And number two, why do they need to work for us if you don't like them so much, right? But it was the revenge of the nerds mentality. You know, and we, li- we kind of live, you know, the nerds have one Anyways, um, Bill Gates and all the, you know, but Peter thought, hey, this is my leg, this is my destiny. And Jesus said, oh yeah, none of the rich people are going to be coming. What? I'm going to be the ruler of all the poor people. I did not give up everything to hang out with all the nerds. Who's going to support me? I mean, you know, we can't conquer anything if just as much the poor people. I mean, to Peter, it's like, what, what, what? Wait a second. This is not what I signed up for. And God's saying, can you sacrifice until you're panicked? Can you give things up until you're at that point, you go, wait a second? You've done it before, you know how it feels. A lot of, parent, a lot of spouses feel that way in their marriage. Wait a second, I gave up everything for this. We felt it. Sometimes you do it when you go. Have you ever gone from one job that you hated to another job that you go, wait a second, I hate this more? (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever changed majors? Oh, this major I don't like. You changed it. I don't like this one either. Uh, uh, uh. I changed majors like four times, you know, when I was in college. Because you go, but because you're going, I got to commit to this for all my life. Peter panicked. If you're panicking and you've sacrificed for Jesus, guess what? You're in the right place, you're in the right moment. God says, I'm going to take care of you. We'll do great. Verse 28. Let's go there. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Jesus says, are you panicked, Peter? Peter? I want you to understand, you're going to get a hundred times as much. Whatever you've sacrificed, a hundred times as much is waiting for you. I want you to understand, a Christian life is filled with great surprises. And they're surprises, number one, because sometimes we believe a great lie, that things should be easy. And the more spiritual we are, the easier it should get. Number two, it can be a great surprise because we don't realize that we're supposed to live a life with surprising sacrifices. There are going to be these times where we're called to just give in a way that's beyond what we experienced or wondered. It'll make us panic even. And God says, hey, don't worry. Because your hundred is waiting for you. But it's not going to be a lottery 100, guys. Once again, we just don't, we always want it to just be easier, don't we? Okay, that 100, poof, it's going to land on my lap. But the real issue is this, and the real thing I want us to understand you know, we need to work the 100, not just wait for it. See, even then, people look at this and they go, Well, I'm just going to wait for the 100. No, you've got to work the 100. Now, what does that mean to work the 100? What does it mean to work the 100? One, you've got to believe in the blessing. Jesus says a hundred awaits you. A hundred times awaits you. So believe it. Don't doubt it. Believe it. Sometimes people like to say, well, if you look really right now, God has given you that hundred. But I think for many people, you haven't gotten your hundred yet. Maybe the hundred will come in heaven. So some people say, well, no, the hundred will be in heaven. But Jesus says in this life. So believe it. Because if you believe it, You'll seek it. If you believe it, you'll see it. Okay, does that make sense? That's why you've got to work the 100. You don't just wait for it. You work it because you've got to believe it so you can seek it or see it because sometimes it's there and you didn't see it. So there are times when it's there and you didn't see it. The other times it's not there, you've got to seek it. But if you don't believe it, you're not going to seek it, nor are you going to see it. Secondly, you've got to dream with devotion. You don't get the hundred by taking it back. Do you understand that? You got to dream, but you got to be devoted. You go, oh, I'm going to get that hundred, but let me take back 50% of what I already sacrificed so I can get that hundred. No, you got to keep sacrificing. But you got to dream with devotion. And that means we need to dream without compromise. I want you to understand what devotion is. Devotion is our barometer, not our barrier. A lot of times we think, well, it's either be devoted to God or sell my soul to the Illuminati. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have this, there was a person who just was convinced I'm getting letters and the Illuminati wants me to join them, and they're saying if I join them, I could be as, you know, great as whomever. I mean, the person kept telling me that. I go, I don't know if that's true. Can you show me these letters? Oh, no, I can't do it. You know, anyways. Um, <laughs> It's not either or. You can dream, but you can't compromise. You've got to dream with devotion. This is what Jesus says. Take a look at this. You know, it says, um, anyone who gives up homes, okay, that's your security and your possessions. You've got to keep making sure that you're not attached to your possessions or your security. It says, siblings, parents, spouses, children, guess what? You've got to be devoted with your relationships. And lastly, it says, your fields you got to be devoted with your career. Your devotion is your barometer. That's how you know if you're getting out of hand. That's how you know if you're running away from your roots. We have to carry a, just a routine of devotion while we're pursuing our dreams. It's not either or. Are you, are you there with me on that? And lastly, we got to find fuel in the fellowship. Devotion is our barometer, not our barrier. You'll know if you're getting too worldly, if you're getting too focused on wealth, if your other pursuits are killing your devotion. Is that clear? So that's your brahman. How do I know if I'm getting out of hand? Are you getting less devoted? Devotion isn't a competition for your dreams, but it is, not a barrier as well. Now lastly though, fellowship is our springboard, not our barrier as well. The people in this room are here to help you find your dreams. The people in this room are here to inspire you. I talked with Latrice, and she says, you know, Dave, what I appreciate about you, or what we're talking about is how you, you, you're really trying to help us understand that our walk with God is a springboard to our dreams, not a barrier to our dreams. She says, I've always felt that in the past. I don't feel that now. But guess what? We all went, and we celebrated her, her C- I don't know what they call it, CD, album. It's not an album. I mean, you know, music, whatever, release, newfangled term. But um, we all celebrated, but I looked, and there were a lot of disciples there because we were there to be the springboard to her dreams, not the barrier. We've got to be the biggest fan. Uh, Tom's talking about being in Hawaii. When I was a single adult in Hawaii, we converted a lot of entertainers and, um, and musicians. And the, the gentleman he talked about, who's my best friend, he's the morning DJ on air. Like, pe- you know... The island is hearing him in the morning. And when he was converted, he was the drive-time DJ. And we were, we were best friends, roommates for five years. And so we had started this AMS ministry. And guess what? The disciples were the best fans. We converted musicians and, 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 and media personalities. And, and what were we? We were their best fans. Isn't that cool? Amen. We can all be springboards to finding each other's dreams. We really can We're going to be focusing, Robin and I, and you go, well, when does this start? When does this start? We've got to get our bearings. I've told you, it's been a rough year. But we stick to what we're passionate about. We're passionate about singles ministry. But guess what? As marrieds, we need to evangelize singles. We need to be a springboard. We need to look and talk to each other and say, I'm going to help you find who, 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 who are you interested? What kind of person? I'm going to go evangelize. We all got to help all our singles get married if they want to be. Are you with me on that? And singles, you know, serve the married in appreciation. Good, I know. I know you have. But just because I say we need to doesn't mean you haven't. Sound good? Let's continue. What do you have that you can use to help another person in this room? Someone who's without a job, there should be the disciple wireless. And we go, let's help find this person a job. Someone's ill, let's help someone get encouragement. I know we do that well here. But in all areas, can we be a springboard? Let's close out. Look each other in the eye and say, I want to be your springboard. (laughs) Thank you. Isn't that a cool thought? In other ministries, and hopefully it'll be this one too. Someone's doing poorly in school. Hey, this brother or sister can tutor you. I don't know how to get into college. We'll help you. I don't know how to help find financial aid. We'll figure that out. You know, it, you know I don't know how to parent. Hey, these are some great resources. My marriage is in crisis. We're going to help you have a great marriage. All those things. But we have to look at each other and say, I'm going to be your springboard. Our focus will be very, very soon, we're going to get our singles married. Sound good? But you have to say, I want to be your springboard, because we got to work the 100. The 100 is right in here. But we will help each other, and we will get there. Can you overcome the great lies? Can you embrace the surprising sacrifices? And can we work with each other to find that 100 times as much? Let's enjoy the great surprises that God has for us to lead us to true greatness. Have a great time in fellowship.